this gospel of the kingdom shall be spread across the Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, I'm Dr. Dana Carson, affectionately known as the Kingdom Voice. And I want to welcome you back to a study in the Word with the Kingdom Voice. Man, I know yesterday was off the chain and I know you're ready to talk about it. We've been talking about this week, uh, the Kingdom, uh, Faith, uh, and Productivity. And so, man, God is ready to take you some places you've never, ever been uh, before. I believe God is ready to make you new again. Listen, uh, but before we get started in the Word, I want to remind you, we are able to do what we do because of people that give like you. And so I need you to show and support the work on today. I want to move on because I want to get as much of the word in as possible today because we're going to talk about, uh, yesterday we talked about impatient faith, but today we're going to talk about faith that regenerates. Sometimes we feel like we have gone uh, beyond the age of God in terms of him doing something magnificent. You know, a lot of times, you know, a woman is say, I'm too young, I'm, I'm now too old to have a baby. Or a man may say, I'm too old to be successful now. Uh, whatever it is. But God can regenerate. He calls those things that are not as though they were until they are. And it doesn't matter about the circumstance nor the situation. And so today we're going to talk about how God took old Abraham and regenerated him by faith. Not only did he give him a promise, he changed his name and his wife's name. Oh man, it's a powerful teaching today. I want you to listen and then I'll be right back. This is a very powerful text, and hopefully I'll have an, uh, the opportunity to, to scale uh, the lofty heights of the experiences of Abraham in this text and be able to share with you some very powerful insights that I think that will change your life. One of the things that you have to uh, realize is the importance and the place of faith in your life and your relationship with God. Uh, last week we explained that faith is a property of God, which means you don't naturally have faith. God owns faith and he has to give you faith. Now, the Bible says that in Romans 12 and 3, that he gives faith, he gives a, a measure of faith to every man, which means faith does not originate in you, it originates with God, and he gives it to you. And then in Romans 10 uh, and 17, Paul writes for us, uh, now faith comes by hearing, which means once again, 
It does not originate with you. So when you think you have faith because you have confidence and, and uh, assurance uh, and optimism about something, that's not biblical faith. That's not the faith that God is uh, committed to. Now, the faith that God is committed to is the faith that he gives you as, as his own personal property. He issues a certain measure of it to you, and then he allows you to continue to grow that faith by hearing the word of God. So faith is, uh, is uh, reliant upon the word of God. So faith comes by hearing. Hearing being by the word of God. The scripture says that uh, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Thus, faith is rooted in hope and hope is rooted in a promise. So that means God has to say something to you. God has to promise you. You just can't go around believing. Oh, my faith. Oh, I got a strong faith. You don't know how strong my faith is. You don't know how, ooh, when I put my mind on believing, I believe it. Oh, you ain't seen belief like my belief. Now, you're right. Now, here's the deal. So, Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the hypostasis, that which undergirds or the foundation of things hoped for. Uh, so that means hope, LP's the Greek term, which speaks of things in the future. Hope is predicated upon a promise. The reason it's in the future is because it was promised, but it has not been manifested. But because you believe in he that has promised, it moves from promise to hope. But because you believe in he that have promised, your hope then moves to faith. So faith, with, faith without hope is anxiety, which means you, 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 you always anxious, you anxious. Uh, you believe he promised it, but like you're like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Is it here today? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? So what calms you down is faith. Faith calms hope down. Hope originates in a promise. So God promises you something you hope for because it's not here. But so that you can be stable in your emotions and in your spirit, you now have faith. You have confidence that he who promised is good for it. Are you with me? Thus, the Bible tells us that the father of faith is Abram. So Abram teaches us the intricate details, the ins and outs about faith. Now, uh, he teaches us faith is not name it and claim it, brab, blab it and grab it. He doesn't, he doesn't teach us that, for, that theory. Now, when we study faith with Abram, we find out that Abram demonstrates faith in God in Genesis chapter 12 because God tells him to leave what is common and known to him and comfortable and go to an uncomfortable place that God will show him. And Hebrews tells us that he left not knowing where he was going, which in Hebrews 11, which was a demonstration of faith. Now, he trusted God 
on a day-to-day basis of where we're going. So which meant then, Abram learned God through trial and error. That meant that he learned where God was oftentimes by finding out where God was not. Look to your neighbor and say, you cannot walk with God without making mistakes. so, So you can't be afraid to make mistakes. That's the very first thing Abram teaches us is that faith is about an ability to not be afraid to make mistakes. Look to your neighbor, say, don't be scared. Don't be scared. <laughs> now listen, you can't be afraid. Now, so Abram teaches us now this. Uh, in Genesis 15 and 6, it says, and Abram believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. So, Abram, his faith begins to wane. He's tired because God promised him something and he doesn't see the beginning fruits of it. He doesn't even see the beginning. He ain't, now, you promised me offsprings and my, I got a fine wife. Everybody want her, but she can't produce a baby. What do you do when you look good, but you're unproductive? Now, I'm not going to talk about that. Listen, so, 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 then Abram says that I don't have an heir. Uh, Eleazar, my servant, his child is going to be the heir presumptive, which was a part of the culture then. If you didn't have an offspring, one of your servants could then, uh, their sons could qualify as the heir of your inheritance. Now, Abram is discouraged. God now encourages him. The first time God encourages him, he's counting the grains of sand. The second time he's trying to count the stars in the sky. Thus, when we look at it, through hindsight, we can see some possible meanings of why he starts off with counting the sand and then move to counting the stars. One, it could mean that he starts off with the Jews. And then in the stars, his vision becomes more global. And so we can say the Gentiles. And hence, we could then also say we can start with the sand because we can start with Ishmael. And then we can move to the stars and we can call it Isaac. We can see that flesh was first and then spirit was second, but all of it was a part of the promise. Thus, God is not discombobulated or confused or thrown off because of the events in Abram's life. Now, Abram's life is full of a lot of mess, man. 
now but yet he still considered the father of faith he's the father of Islam he's the father of Judaism he's the father of Christianity the, the decisions that he has made has impacted nations now God comes to him now he's already created Ishmael and we talked about that last week about the danger of impatient faith how you go out and create something in the flesh because you won't be patient. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about right now. Can't stand what's sitting next to you. Listen, when it got something in the flesh because you were impatient. <laughs> now, now, don't get nervous in the service. That's the end of that story. Now, in Genesis 17, it says that God went to Abraham, <clears throat> at, to Abram, <clears throat> and it highlights that he was 99 years old. Now, this is interesting because life has a way of making one compromise, making one to become complacent, and making one become comfortable with, one, with what one never wanted. Now, I, I want you to hear me. Look to your neighbor and say, we're talking about faith that regenerates. Now, so, Abram compromised the promise and he had a child with Hagar rather than Sarai. But now he was working on it with Sarai, but she wasn't producing. Thus, he concluded that I'm working on it She's not producing, so apparently this isn't God's will. Look to your neighbor and say, just because it isn't producing doesn't mean it ain't going to produce. Oh, I wish I, wish I had time to talk to you. There's some things that you give up on too soon. There's some things that you abort when you ought to just believe God. Watch this, watch this, watch this. I, I've got my time. I've got to watch my time. So, so watch this. So look to your neighbor and say, just because it hasn't produced don't mean it's not going to produce. See, that's what happens when things don't move as fast as you want them to. There have been people that have walked out of marriages that they wish they could walk back into. You didn't give it time. You, you, you didn't let God work. You, you, you just, you couldn't make it happen, so you said it can't happen. Just because you can't make it happen doesn't mean God can't make it happen. Now, now, now I want you to hear me now. So, 
Life has a way of making one compromise because stuff doesn't move fast enough. Then life also makes one become complacent, which means I tried so long, so hard. You know, what it is is what it is now. So now, Abram's compromised and now he's complacent with the flesh. Because complacency will have you call things that are carnal spiritual. <clears throat> now, Abram was complacent with Ishmael. And Ishmael was not the son of promise. But now, you say, Dr. Carson, why do you say he was complacent? Okay, I got to run up a few verses. I'll do it now. Because when God talked to him about the son of promise, he asked God, can we just forget Sarah and use Ishmael? And God said, no. See, there are some things that are in your life that were manifested in the flesh and you want God to use that. And I come to tell you that God said, no. Just because you're complacent with it doesn't mean I'm going to work with it. No. No. So now, he's compromised. He's complacent. And now he's very comfortable. Which means he's good for life. I'm 99. I ain't got no, anybody got no time for no sex. comfortable I got a 13 year old <clears throat> I got a 13 year old at 99 which means I'm real good y'all not hear me he said I'm real good I had this boy at 80 what 86 what is it 86 anybody got time to be talking about going up and no trying to make no baby Thus the sex says, the text says, God came to him and he was 99 years old. Look to your neighbor and say, just when you think it's over, God is finally ready to begin. Don't count yourself out because you're 99. Don't count yourself out because it has not happened yet. That is not how God works. Norm, your brighter days are ahead of you. Now, so now watch this. So, so, he comes to Abraham. And when it comes to Abraham, he is 99 and Abram now has let life make him content and comfortable but now what does God do God brings to Abram's compromise complacency comfortability contentment 
What does God do when you threw? <laughs> what does God do with some of you who didn't walk so long with God that you tired and you waiting on the young folk to come along and do the things of God? What, what, what does God do when you've given up on the missionary dreams that you've had and the ministerial promises that God has given you? What do you do when your hair is white and your knees hurt? What do you do? When based on circumstances, you've determined that your season is over. What do you do when you think it's somebody else's turn and your turn ain't even begun? Thus, God goes to Abram, Mikhail, Minister Clark when he was 99 years old. I'm be 56 this year. God, 99. They could have put in that text, he came to Dana when he was 55 and it had the same inference. <laughs> now, so what does God do? First thing he knows, the reason it says he's 99 is because there is a need to regenerate him. So what does God do? The first thing God does in this situation is he gives fresh revelation. Oh, I wish I could teach and preach this morning. Listen, look to your name and say fresh revelation. He lets you know him like you've never known him before. All that you thought you knew about him has to change because he's now about to give you a new dimension of who he is. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Thus, it says when Abraham, when Abram, excuse me, was 99 years old, it said that God came to him and says, I am God almighty oh god now what are you saying here god he says i am god almighty in genesis 14 when you met when you met me in the narrative of melchizedek i was el el yon but now i'm coming to you as el shaddai oh okay now now, I came to you the first time as the most high God. Now I'm coming to you as the God of, is there anything too hard for me? He says, I came to you the first time 
and I raised my throne above all other thrones and I made you to know that there is no God higher than me but this time I want you to come I'm going to come to you and I'm going to give you the revelation that there is nothing too hard for me uh, so I'm God almighty which means there is nothing that I cannot do that is required in bringing my will to pass. Now there are some things I can't do, but there's nothing I can't do as it relates to bringing my will to pass. What do you mean there's something he can't do? He says, I'm not a man. That I should, I can't lie. Y'all don't. So that's something I can't do. That I can't lie. Uh, if I spoke it to you, that's too, uh, listen, that's too hard for me. That's inconsistent with my nature, my essence, my being. Whatever I say, I'm committed to doing. Look to your neighbors, say, when God says a thing, He watches over His word to perform it. Hey! Now, listen. So listen, so now he says that Shaddai means breast also, so some call him the multi-breasted one. But the emphasis in Shaddai is almighty. It's his strength, his ability to uh, give life. It's his ability to pour breast, nourishment, life, sustainability. He's, he says, so... He's telling Abram, I'm the one, I'm the God now that can reverse your health. I'm the God that can give you a visitation at the fountain of youth. I'm the God that can turn around what wasn't working and now make it work. So, he gives him a new revelation. See, here is a problem. Some of us are stuck because you've not grown since the last time you saw God. Years ago. After you met him in salvation, you hadn't met him since. You met him at the altar as Savior. You never came to meet him as Lord. You, you came and you met him as he who provides eternal life, but you never met him as he who gives life more abundantly. Uh, so you only can walk off of the measure of understanding and revelation that you have of God. So in order for God to rejuvenate you, God has to give you a new perspective of who he is. He's got to show you another dimension of who he is. And all that you thought you knew about God, your little finite peanut brain can't hold all 
Abram saw him as the God that was above all the other gods. And thus, the kings were inadequate in defeating the farmers of Abram because Abram served the Most High God. So he knew that God could defeat kings. He knew that God could defeat armies. He knew that God could defeat the enemy. He knew that God could prevail in war. But he didn't know that God could rejuvenate and cause what has been unproductive to become productive. Oh God, Some, somebody ought to be shouting right now. As unproductive as you've been and you've been trying so hard to do what you thought God had called you to do and you relegated now your thoughts to God must not have called me to do this. I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting my energy. But I came to tell you that he is God Almighty. Watch this. So watch this, Mark. Doesn't matter where you find yourself physically as long as you don't hold a party there spiritually. See, some of you don't like where you've landed, especially since you tried to follow God. And that's okay, you might not like where you are, you might not like your outcomes, but whatever you do, don't make it your permanent address. You, you've got to understand that you a tent dweller, not a, not a, oh God, not a temple dweller. You, you're just traveling, you're a pilgrim, you're, you're, you're on a journey. You're not at your ultimate destination. So now watch this. So now watch this. Thus, thus, he gives him a new revelation, Pastor, because he only knew him as a God who can defeat other kings. He's the most high God, El El Yon. But he didn't know him as the God who he can go into his reproductive, he and Sarah's reproductive organs and turn them around and give life to them so so here's it is so it takes revelation then it takes regeneration now what do you mean regeneration okay let me t let me bag that term off i'm sorry it takes renewal everybody say renewal. renewal okay so now it takes revelation and it takes renewal so now what God has to do is he's got to make Abram anew. He's got to make Sarah anew. So now, in order for them to be regenerated, uh, they have to get revelation, then they got to get renewal. So now God's got to renew them in their mind, in the spirit of their mind. So here is what God does in renewal. In renewal, Susie, God changes your name. Oh, I wish I had time. 
to talk about this because you don't know what you just heard. Uh, listen, when God is ready to regenerate and manifest that which you've already compromised and become complacent and comfortable in, what he has to do is he has to change your name. Now, he's changing Abram's name. Now, it may seem like, Carol, that this is on the whim, that he's changing his name on the whim. But it's not. This is the part of the promise when he told Abraham, I will make your name great. Uh, now, he's saying now, uh, I'm getting ready to expand your name. You're not going to be Abram, which means great father. You're about to be Abraham, which means the father of many nations. And Sarai is about to now become the princess, and she's about to become the mother of many nations. Uh, but before I can make you greater, then what you are now, I've got to change your name. And when I change your name, I change your self-identity. I've got to get you looking at yourself, not through the lens of yourself. I've got to get you looking at you through the lens of God. Thus, he takes Abram and he uses Ham in Hebrew alphabet is the and so he's breathing, it's a guttural. So he's he's Abram and he makes him Abraham. He breathes on him. He breathes on him like he breathed through the nostrils of man. He now he's Abram and now he's Abraham. And she's Sarah, but now she she's Sarah, but now she's Sarah. Thus, thus, now he breathes on them new life. Look to your neighbor and say, you got to let God breathe on you. You got to let him give you a spiritual name. You got to let him give you a spiritual promise. He. Now, so now watch this. Now, God's saying all of this, Elder Valia, and Abram saying, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Listen, oh, so he comes to him in verse one and two, and he starts saying, I'm this, I'm that, I'm a that, I'm a do this. And the Bible says in verse three, Abram, threw himself down, which was a sign of submission and obedience. Now watch this. God, he throws himself down in verse 3. I believe it's verse 17 when he falls down to the ground again. Okay, now, but this time he falls down to the ground and he cried. I mean, he laughs. Now, what's the difference between these? Now, when it was about what God was going to do with him, he threw himself down in awe. But when it was about what God was going to do with Sarah, 
he threw himself down with laughter. Uh, you got to be careful how you perceive what God is doing in somebody else's life. You are not the only person uh, that God's hand is on. And just because you are in the same house don't mean that you have. Y'all don't want to talk to me. A relationship of favor with God. Sarah had as much favor as Abram. But Abram could believe God for his stuff. But I want you to get this. But he believes God with his stuff because all the time he thinks God's talking about Ishmael. But then when God throws in Sarah, he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What you mean? Now I want you to understand. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Abram loved that boy Ishmael. Listen, he had been believing God and at the age of 86, God finally gave him an offspring from his own loins. This boy's 13 years old. If in Judaism he would have been a son of the commandments. This boy, he's ready now to begin his adult life. He's 13, which means he's positioned for posterity. He's positioned for inheritance. And just when you thought you was about to turn it over to him, God comes to you and say, that's not him. <laughs> Listen, now, and you say, well, God, if it's not him, if this is not the job, if this is not the place, if this is not the thing, God, can you make it be the thing? Can you make it be the place? Can you make it be the one? God says no, because the promise is attached to Sarah. Look to your neighbor and say your destiny is always attached to somebody else. As great as the promise was for Abram, he could not bring it to pass without Sarah. <clears throat> Thus, we look at this text and God says to Abram, no, it's got to come through her. Now, We'll look at this another day. <clears throat> he laughed. And he didn't receive it yet because he was so old. He remembers how hard it was just to produce Ishmael. Now, now that he discovers Ishmael is not that, he's not the it. <clears throat> he's not the promise. He's like, we got to go through this all over again and I'm 13 years older, and Sarah is 80. She couldn't produce when she was 20. She couldn't produce when she was 30. 
she couldn't produce when she was 40. Now, she ain't as good looking, but she productive. <laughs> Look to your neighbor and say, I may not be as cute as I was, but I'm seasoned and productive. <laughs> Life has a way of taking a little edge off of your beauty, but it has a way of teaching you how to become productive. Man, I told you it was powerful. You need to get both the MP3 and the book that accompanies this series, this book, Kingdom, Faith, and Productivity. Man, it will bless you. One of the challenges you're having in your life is that you are listening and then you are leaving. And you're probably retaining less than 3% of what you heard you've got to listen to it again and also read it and it will bless your life uh sow into an mp3 or mp4 sow into you can get a copy of the book you can get a hard copy so like if you want it you could get a cd you can get a dvd and a book you can get any of those hardback or you can get all three digitally and have them right this moment by clicking that link now you've got to start investing in your spiritual life now uh this message here man ooh, uh, of faith that regenerates uh god's trying to get you ready for something and you're growing old and you are stop, you know, you're starting to believe maybe I miss God. No, you've not missed God. You need a faith that regenerates. Now, I want to encourage you to submit your questions that you may have to ask the kingdom voice. And on Thursday, my wife and I, we will tackle those questions and answer them for you. But I want you to trust God today in your giving. I want you to support, support all that faith and you're not giving. The Bible says that he was taught the word, share all good things with him who teaches the word. Be not deceived, God's not mocked, whatsoever man sow, that will he reap. If you want to reap, you got to sow. God's going to give you a harvest. I want you to sow. Will you support the work today and let God support your work? I want to pray now that God would touch your heart. And keep you and unlock the best for your life. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you now for the power of your word. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, God, I pray now, everyone listening to the sound of my voice, that will reach out and grab this prayer. That, God, that this prayer would transform their situation and give birth to a new thing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, beloved, I love you so much. Until tomorrow, shalom. The Kingdom Theological Seminary offers a quality yet affordable theological education for those seeking to increase their kingdom biblical knowledge. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is the only seminary of its kind that provides biblical training with a kingdom of God emphasis based on the original context of Jesus, void of the effects of the Romanization, Europeanization, colonization, westernization, and Americanization of the gospel. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is what we consider a disruptive seminary that takes a holistic approach to theological training. 
KTS is designed to prepare students for actual hands-on instruction that is customized to each learner's need. Oftentimes, when students complete the traditional model of seminary, they are unable to use 85% of the things that they learned in actual ministry. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is designed to prepare the learner for 21st century ministry that is based on your interests and ministry areas of focus. KTS allows you to customize your education to fit your individual ministry needs. You can choose the certification modules or individual classes that can be applied toward your degree. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is truly disruptive. We don't force a set of unusable courses on you and waste your time and money. Instead, each student is able to put together their own cluster of certifications that best fit their ministry needs. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is the seminary of the future and will rapidly secure a space in this 21st century ministry culture. It is designed to meet the needs of a plethora of new non-denominational church fellowships that desire their clergy to be trained in the most effective, efficient, and relevant manner possible, utilizing modern technology and cutting-edge methodologies. For more information about the Kingdom Theological Seminary or to enroll in the KTS waiting list for the fall semester, visit us at ktseminary.com. We are training 21st century kingdom leaders like you at the Kingdom Theological Seminary. Hi, beloved. This is Dr. Dana Carson, affectionately known as the Kingdom Voice. You know, I work very, very hard to fulfill the purpose of God on my life and the church's life. And we take this gospel of the kingdom around the world. We are touching lives all over. We're touching lives globally. And I want you to partner with me so that we can do that in a more effective manner. And also that fruit may abound to your account. Every time I preach the gospel, that means that you're there preaching it with me because you're providing the necessary support that allows me to reach nations and people all over the world. I need your support. I want you to partner with me. If you click the link, it'll tell you a little bit more about our partners ministry. But will you partner with me? I want you to be able to say, I partner with Dana Carson Kingdom Ministry and we take the gospel of the kingdom around the world. Thank you. God bless.